You're listening to an ACR 2021 podcast, a compilation of reports, interviews, perspectives, and panel discussions that feature the Room Now faculty and noted experts. Hope you enjoy. Hi there, this is Dr. Catherine Dow reporting for Room Now. I am so excited to introduce you to my friends. We are the Lupus panel for Room Now covering ACR 2021 Convergence. Unfortunately, we can't be in San Francisco, so we're gonna bring San Francisco to you. Um, why don't you all introduce yourselves? Janet, you want to start? Janet Pope, uh, London, Ontario, uh, Canada, and I am at Janet Burdope. What about you, Pete? Pedro Castillo, uh, or Pete Castillo, I'm, I'm uh, out here in Dallas, and I'm at underscore Castillo, underscore Pedro. Bella? Hi, I'm Bella Mehta. I'm from New York, uh, and I'm at uh, Bella underscore Mehta. And you? Hi, uh, I'm Yus Yusuf. Uh, I'm from uh, Leeds, United Kingdom, uh, and you can follow me at, uh, at Twitter handle at Yus6Yusuf. So welcome, everybody. I just wanted just to go ahead and launch into like the <coughs> questions I have for you. What's some of the most exciting things you've learned so far, and how do you think it's going to impact your practice? And I guess we'll go in order again with Janet, but feel free to pop in if you want. So I'll say two things. So the first thing is um, it's abhorrent that our patients with lupus are doing worse and uh, someone else will probably talk about the plenary. So the other session that I watched was basically if you were hospitalized for your lupus, uh, a benchmark would be seeing a physician with for follow-up within two weeks. And two-thirds of lupus patients didn't. And that doesn't surprise me because I think there's a huge communication barrier. We don't even know they're in, not to mention release from hospital. But it was trending and more than trending, it was significantly related to non-white, poorer people, um, things like that, that would be low health literacy and probably low literacy. So I think we can do better. And why does it matter? Worse outcomes if you're not seen and follow up. Yeah, yeah I, think, uh, yeah, I think just to follow up with that, Janet, I, I think we don't have a lot of rheumatologists everywhere to even refer. Like most rheumatologists have a wait time of two to three months, which is also not something that they presented in the abstract, but I think it's also important. Uh, there's a deficit of rheumatologists seeing lupus patients too. That's right. Although if it's your patient and you knew they were in hospital, I think we'd call them in. We don't always know. And the patients might not know to advocate for themselves. That's true. What do you think about the trends in mortality, lupus nephritis mortality, particularly in the plenary session? Yeah, so um, it is interesting. Um, the data that we were presented, um, you know, it was uh, looking into like 20 years span and you can see like there was a significant, like, you know, more than 20% reduction from 1999 to 2019. But the last five years of that period, there's slightly you know, increased. So I think this is slightly, slightly different trend compared to I think previous study reported by them. They said like, you know, continuous, you know, decrease. But yeah, but that's, that's quite promising, like, you know, that 20% uh, reduction in mortality. I think that's quite good that we are advancing in our therapy. Yeah, I found it interesting how there was a, a correlation between large metro areas and, uh, and worsening mortality. Um, that was very interesting because, you know, you would think that in the city, you know, you have more access and that maybe in, in less, uh, you know, where there's fewer rheumatologists and more rural communities, you might 
have more trouble, but it was actually uh, the opposite, particularly for Hispanic patients in, in the large uh, metro areas and for black patients uh, in general. I think, I think again, I, I, we've done some work on this be- before, and I think there's a lot of, uh, especially in urban areas, there's a lot of pockets of low socioeconomic status. Yeah. And that's, that, that probably accounts a lot for this. It's, it's not just the race. I mean, obviously it is, but I think there's a lot of other factors that play into the, into this. Right. And it's different from Canada. Our patients tend to do worse if they're rural than urban. And uh, maybe it's because we sort of have universal health care. But I agree. I think English as a second language, new immigrants are more apt to go to the large centers. That's where some of the work is. And um, this can't all be accounted the racial differences from genes alone. The odds ratio of being black and having worse lupus nephritis outcomes was like six times higher. We don't have many genetic things that in a polygenic disease that would account for that. So it has to be system problems. Um, I think un, unexpected or unknown unconscious bias um, where our patients are getting differential treatment. We, we don't want to say that, but it's probably true. And that's only amplified with the pandemic. You know, there was an abstract about, you know, lupus deaths and during the pandemic, and we did see an increased risk um, of deaths and, and morbidities associated with the pandemic, for sure. But I'm going to turn your attention next to um, the great debate. What do you all think? <laughs> that was pretty exciting, wasn't it? Yeah, I was, um, I, I was, uh, I, I really liked the idea of just, you know, uh, Dr. Petrie had mentioned at one point, I, I'm going to misquote it, but she said something like, I want us to change and I want to change in my practice. And I thought that was important because I think there's a lot of resistance to change. We get very used to certain types of medications, certain types of prescribing patterns, uh, and, uh, and, and trying to think not even outside the box, but within the box of, you know, good information, good data for lupus nephritis and using belimumab and, and bucklosporin. So I thought that was uh, fascinating. And it was more, uh, more supportive, I think, of both. I think Dr. Petrie did a great job and, and so did Dr. Uh, Rovin, I believe, um, in, uh, in, in sort of presenting both uh, cases. And I quite like how she finished it as well, saying like, you know, you know we, we are actually really best friends and colleagues in the end, rather than, you know, debating which, which drug is, you know, which. And, and it's quite interesting that she also <laughs> pinpoint um, a few aspects, like potentially that may render you to choose, you know, one or another. I mean, it's all about personalizing therapy. I mean, it could, you know, be depending on, you know, you know, the, the patients are in the EGFR state and whether you know, is there any you know, extra renal flare you know, there as well, which may you know, influence, you know, which one that you want to choose. So. I think as well, it continued on in the hub. Um, both both uh, doctors Wolsey and Eisenberg were talking about vocalosporin versus belimumab and lupus nephritis. And some really neat things were brought up, like what do we do with class five nephritis, so nephrotic syndrome, we're probably under-treating it. Um, what about the cost effectiveness and lack of access? What about the burden on the patients, but um, of pill burden and adding more things and really frankly cost burden? 
And the other thing that came up was in the question and answer is, what about uh, treating interstitial nephritis? And I don't think we have any answers to that. Um, and then someone raised the fact that um, there's case reports of six patients out of 66 on um, belimumab therapy with lupus who developed lupus nephritis. And in-depth discussion of chicken or egg the same way TNF inhibitors, you can have RA or, or psoriatic arthritis and get worse psoriasis or new psoriasis, even though it treats it. So there's confounding channeling bias and how could we do a study to look at that? But the bottom line is we have to do better. Most of our patients are not in complete renal remission. And uh, over time, how long do we treat? We don't want to overimmune suppress, but backing off a treatment could be dangerous too. So it was really the hub was great. What about you, Bella? What do you think? I, I think there's, uh, I think this, the debate sort of uh, got us thinking, saying these patients are not the same. There's different phenotypes of these patients. There's different genotypes. And I think um, the only way to get around this is precision medicine going forward. So which patient gets what drug? Um depending, you know, some patients probably will develop lupus nephritis because they were always predisposed to, it's a chicken and the egg, like Dr. Pope said, but still, um, maybe uh, it was the drug in that particular patient which caused it. So uh, it's about patient selection. And as precision medicine gets finer and, uh, you know, in the next 10 years, I think we'll see those things actually happening. There's a lot of, uh, you know, there's like all these prelim data out there uh, that I see in the next one or two days, um, which probably uh, go towards that. There's a nice session uh, today, uh, which I think uh, would be helpful and insightful on that. So let's take a vote. I put this out on Twitter just recently. Yeah. You got a patient who has class four nephritis. They're already on hydroxychloroquine. This is biopsy confirmed that this is class four. So aside from steroids, what are you going to do next? Are you going to add mycophenolate by itself? Are you going to do cyclosporin, cyclophosphamide by itself? Are you going to do mycophenolate with belimumab or mycophenolate with vocalosporin? Go for it, Pete. You you take this. Which one? You have which to go with me first. <laughs> 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 um, you know, I, I think that uh, Dr. Petrie made, the, made a good point of uh, trying to elect for early combination therapy. I mean, mycophenolate yeah. first. And depending on the severity of the case, uh, as in this case, maybe even pushing with uh, belimumab as well from the get-go. So that's your vote. Mycophenolate yeah. with belimumab. What about you, Bella? What's the race of the patient? <laughs> um, it doesn't matter, but it's a person of color. How about that? <laughs> they tend to have more aggressive disease. <laughs> uh, I guess I'll still go with up first, look for it a little bit, and then add... Um, Belimumab. After how long would you add? Mm, uh, two months, three months. Two or three months. What about two you, <laughs> Right. So basically, it's an access issue in Canada. So I'm starting upfront combination, not with your choices, of course, steroids, MMF to three grams, and often adding tacrolimus like within the first month or two, once I know there's tolerability. Why tacrolimus? Because we can get cyclosporin, we don't have vocalosporin. Um, available yet. And belimumab, um, it's very difficult to get access, but I'll take anything because I think two drugs of immune suppressives in lupus nephritis are going to be better than one uh, steroids aside might allow us to steroid spare better. So I'd answer your poll, probably any of them, just get on with it and get probably two drugs into them. You're so diplomatic. What about your use? <laughs> 
Right. Um, so, yeah, again, uh, similar as Janet. So I think it depends, you know, what I want to treat and how, you know, what I'm available, you know, to treat the patient will be different, you know, in the UK with National Health Service. I mean, like, for instance, like the belimumab, I mean, the trial was positive back in 2011 and we could only use belimumab in 2017 in the UK. So, you know, that, that is quite a long journey to get a drug, you know, funded. So I think um, in this case, you know, I would start patient on microphenolate um, and steroid. And then after that, I will assess after three months. And if, if you're not achieving complete response, then I will uh, do an add-on therapy. And I will actually choose uh, boclosporin here because of uh, the rapid steroid reduction that it will show. And also, you know, remarkable complete renal response rate in the trial, which is like 0.5 within urea. I mean, that's quite a high hurdle bar. That is nice. And the fact that vocalosporin had podocyte protection as well. But I've actually used the combination of belimumab and vocalosporin and mycophenolate all together with hydroxychloroquine in a patient to finally get her to achieve renal remission. Well, that's it, folks. Thank you for watching us. This is our lupus panel room now. Follow me on Twitter at KDAO2011. And we'll continue to report to you with this conference, ACR 2021 Convergence.